Welcome to the podcast from In Church, Phoenix. This message is Church Vision 2017 with Pastor Scott Dawkins. March 5th, 2017. Lord God, we thank you for your presence here with us today. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, this is your church. Lord, this is your house. Lord, this this, uh, this house, this church, Lord, it, it burns with the passion that's in your heart. Lord, it's, it's our desire, Lord, to just have a heart that would say yes, Lord, and for you to use us however you would want to use us, Lord. And we, we say, Lord, let this be a, a, a strong year, Lord, a strengthening year, Lord, for us as a church, Lord, in every way, as individuals, as a church, Lord, as a ministry, in what we're doing around the globe and what we're doing right here. Lord God, we just, Lord, submit it all to you, Lord, and for your glory. And Lord, just in these words and the few minutes that I have to share this morning, Lord, I pray that you would help me to communicate, Lord, with, with your heart, Lord, to communicate your word with with a passion, Lord God, that, that it deserves. And uh, so, Lord, we just commit this time and we commit this uh, word and uh, all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our church vision, what, what, are, what are we going to focus on this year? And I just listed out you know, a few things that we're going to be doing this year. Obviously, we have the women's encounter that's coming up. And uh, later in this year, we're going to set a, a date soon uh, for our next men's encounter. Uh, this year, I have it in my heart that we're going to uh, launch three new men's connect groups. And I uh, would love to see three new women's connect groups as well. We have our Easter outreach. That's that's fast approaching. And our Thanksgiving outreach. We have our, our 6 p.m. service, which we've really just launched. But we want to just keep, keep that moving with our 6 p.m. service because I know there are times when people can't make it to a morning service. So to have the evening service is, is good. And then also for those who can never make it to a a Sunday morning, it works out great that they can come to that. You know, this year we've got four worship nights scheduled, and uh, they're going to be fantastic nights. And then something that uh, we haven't done, well, we I don't think we've done before, is uh, a carols by candlelight. Does that does that everyone's kind of look a little little bit blankly at me? So carols by candlelight, we have done this in Australia, and. Uh, what we'd like to do is we'll go to a park, maybe the one where we've done the kind of family fun day, hangout kind of days down there, and we'll set up a, a stage and invite the community to come out, and we're going to do carols and share a message. And so basically a, basically it's an out, a Christmas outreach event is what it is. But you kind of do it in the later part of the evening, so the the uh, the lights, you know, the, the sun's down, and uh, I don't know, I'm just dreaming. I'd love to set off some fireworks or something, or I don't know, do something, little pyro, little pyrotechnic. And, uh, but this is a way to, to bring our community together and, and to, to love on our community a little bit. And also with the opportunity that we have, you know, to share the reason why Christmas is so important. And uh, our theme for this year is uh, Stronger. The word stronger, and we deriving this out of Psalm 84. I want to read the whole the whole psalm here. 
How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Anyone know what Selah means? Just, yeah, pause, meditate, think on it, let it sink in. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The, the early rain also covers it with pools. And they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Our theme this year is stronger. Going from strength to strength. And I know that as Christians... That's what we want. We, I don't. I don't want to just stay where I am. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty okay with where I am in terms of my Christian walk, but I'm still very much aware that I'm still a long way short of where I'd love to be. I'd love to be stronger in some areas of my life. I'd love to to be able to say, "Hey, my life is going from strength to strength." And this year for us, church, is a year where. I guess individually, of course, but as a church as well, that we're going to be going from strength to strength to strength to strength. And there are seven seven strong steps that we're going to focus on this year that I believe will strengthen you and build you and equip you and grow you and which in turn will strengthen us and build us and grow us. And uh, all these seven steps are derived out of Psalm 84, but as we start to focus on these throughout the course of the year, we're going to go a lot deeper than than uh, just the, the initial thought here. But the first one, that first strong step, submit your life. And then you got the word may. That doesn't mean maybe. That means uh, in May. We're actually going to take that whole month of May and actually talk a lot about what does that mean? What does it mean to say, submit my life? What does that, what does that look like? In Psalm 84, verse 12, it says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. To trust in God is to surrender my will to, to His will. Now, in Australia, and it's, I'm sure it's the same here, kids uh, Aussie kids learn to swim from a young age because, you know, the vast 80, 80% of the population is pretty much coastal. So you need to, every kid needs to learn how to know how to swim. And uh, so it wasn't any different for our kids. And uh, when Matthew 
wasn't even two years old yet. He was one and something. And we're at the, we're at a swimming pool, and and I'm in the pool, and Matthew's standing on the on the edge, and I tell Matthew, jump. And and the only issue is that he is at a pre-swimming age. He he can't swim yet, and uh, and I tell Matthew to jump. Now at that moment, he has a decision to make, doesn't he? He's got to think, do I trust Dad? Is dad trustworthy? Because if he's going to let me down in any way, shape, or form, then he's going to go straight to the bottom. Because then he has no way of getting back to the top either at that age. Now he's not so bad. <laughs> now he can swim good, actually. And so he had a decision to make before he jumps. And, and once he jumps, there, there's, no, there's no turning back. He has submitted himself in that moment completely into my hands. He's put his trust completely in me. And I believe this is like the context of what we're talking about this morning, is that I'm not always going to understand what God is doing in my life, but there are those times when God says, jump. And we look at that situation and we look at what he's saying to us and we think, I can't jump because I don't know the outcome. I can't jump because, God, I I, kind of trust you, but I'm not really sure on this occasion that you're going to. I can see all the things that are going to go wrong. And so there are times in our life where God says, okay, Scotty, jump. And I'll say to God, not yet. Soon. I can't. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. But when it comes to submitting our life, we need to understand that when it's submitting our life to Him, then He's not going to let us down, that we can trust in God. Amen? All right. Number two. I'm going to move through these pretty quick. Seek God passionately and personally. In Psalm 84, that same Psalm, verse 2, My soul longs. Yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Isn't this our appropriate response to God in response to his gift of salvation, in response to his love towards us, in response to his grace, in response to the person of Jesus Christ himself? You know, I love my relationship with God. We've been through some things together. We've had some conversations. We've had some late night conversations. You know, there are, there are times in my life where I have no way of knowing what's going on and, and how I'm going to get through it. And, and every time that I turn towards God, He's there. And I, have, and, and I, I find it challenging. I find life overwhelming sometimes. But my friendship, my relationship with God, He's always there. And I love God, and I know you love God. And I want to take some time this year, and we're going to focus on this in, in a lot more in June as one of the steps that we're taking in terms of going from strength to strength. But I, I know that I don't know all there is to know about God yet. I'm very aware of the fact that I don't know everything about God 
yet. I mean, if you do, please come and tell me some things later on. But I know that I don't. But but there's a drawing in me. There's a and the and the word says, "Draw near to me, and I will draw close to you." Now, is there a passion in us to want to? know God more? Is there, is there a passion in us to draw close to God, just to, to spend time, not even to ask for anything? Now, because so, that's another trap that I can fall into. Whenever I come to, to pray or, or what, it's, God, it's me again, and I need help again. But what about those times when it's like in our worship time this morning, says, God, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to ask you for anything this morning. I just want to be with you. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to hang out with you this morning, God. That's what it is to seek God passionately and personally because you can't do it for me and I can't do that for you either. And God's not interested in, in some kind of corporate mix us all into the same bowl thing. He's, he's interested in you. He's interested in hanging out with you. He's interested in, in those times where it's just Him and you. I love reading those times in the Bible where Jesus would go off by himself to pray. And you just see this picture of the son hanging out with the father. I don't know what they talked about. Many times, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. We have no idea what some of those conversations were that the father had with his son. But can I say that there are conversations that the father wants to have with you? Just for you. Not for the person sitting next to you, just for you. There's something that God wants to be able to speak to you and commune with you and let you know and share with you in that relationship that's just for you. He is that invested in you. He desires to hang out with you. He desires relationship with you. And, and we want to be a we want to enter into that as well. We want to seek God passionately and personally as well. Number three, show Christ's character. In verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Who is our example when it comes to who walks uprightly? When it comes to, yeah, exactly. Jesus is our example of walking uprightly. I heard this story. Have you heard of a guy called Phil Driscoll? Phil Driscoll is a, is a trumpet player. He's he's probably in his 60s now, and but with a phenomenal trumpet player, and he was a Christian guy, and he travel all over the world doing these concerts and and preaching, sharing the gospel, and and he has a if he has a very distinctive sound. If you've ever heard Phil Driscoll play, his sound is very very unique. And he came home one day. And uh, he heard his son playing one of his, back in the day, records. Uh, that's like a CD. <laughs> like a CD. And uh, and he could hear his son playing it, and his son was playing it loud. I mean, the whole house was just full of this sound. And uh, the only thing was that what he heard was different to what he'd recorded. He, he heard his sound but it wasn't what he'd recorded. And he thought, what is going on? And uh, so he went into his son's room, and his son is playing the trumpet. And his son sounded just like his father. 
Now, how this relates to what I want to, what I'm talking about here, is that just like his son was emulating his father, I want to emulate Christ. I want to be like Jesus. I I know I'm not going to be Jesus, but I I he's he's my I'm his disciple. I'm a disciple of Jesus. He's he's my savior. He's the Lord of my life. He's my example. And so I want to know I want to talk like him. I want to sound like him. He's my role model, my teacher. I want to be like him. I want to act like him. I want to speak like him. I want to have the same attitude as him. I want to love people like he loved people. I want to walk in the truth like he walked in truth. I want to be able to care for people like he cared for people. I want to have compassion for people like he had compassion. He's our example. When it comes to walking uprightly, when it comes to walking in integrity, there's no better example for us than Jesus. I want to be a studier of him. I don't just want to say, hey, Jesus, thanks for being my savior and and get on about my life. No, I want to study his life. I want my life the best way that I can to follow in his footsteps. Does that make sense? I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He is our example. In Philippians 2 verse 5, it says, Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humanity. We're to look to Jesus as our example. Number four, say God's word. In verse 8 says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. You know, at our prayer, one of our prayer meetings this week, uh, I was just sharing, you know, when we end a prayer, we, we like to say those words in Jesus' name. Amen. It's kind of like the, okay, God, I'm signing off now. See you next time. Like in Jesus. Like, it can almost become a habit to say, well, okay, I'm done with what I'm praying. In Jesus' name, amen. And then everybody knows that you've just finished praying. It's kind of like the see ya. But that's not what it means. When we say in Jesus' name, like let me let me explain it this way. If you let's just take us all back to some some of us a long time ago into our schoolroom days, and uh, a student comes to the door, knocks on the door, and comes in, has an announcement to make. Says the principal says everyone can go home at 1 p.m. today. He just used a very important word. Apart from everyone being excited, if he didn't say the principal said you can go home at 1 p.m. If he had said, hey, everybody, I'm telling you, you can go home at 1 p.m. today and assist another student. We're going to look at him and go, ah, funny, funny, funny. But if he comes in and says, the principal has said, everyone's going home today at 1 p.m., then we know because of the name that he used that he was speaking for on behalf of the principal. And so we know then to put our stock in it. We know that we can hopefully believe that if and then we can go home at 1 p.m. that day. It's a silly example, but it's important to understand that when we, when we say in Jesus' name, that everything that we were just praying, we've just attached the name of Jesus to it. So how important then is it that when we pray, that we know that we're praying His Word, that we know that we're praying His will? 
I'm not saying that we get it right every time, but I'm just saying that when we say, in Jesus' name we pray, then, then we're praying his will. So when we pray, that should energize our prayer life to say, Lord, I'm, I'm praying your will. I'm praying your will today. So that when we, when we come to that part where we say, and in Jesus' name we pray, then we know it, it's, it's almost as if, it's almost as if Jesus himself had just prayed those words. So if we're praying within the will of the Father, if we're praying within the will of Jesus, then that's when we can use those words, in Jesus' name we pray. In John 14, verse 12 to 14, this is, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask me anything in my name. And see, when, when it comes to in my name, attached to that is in his will. Attached to that is within his character. Does that make sense? When, when we pray in his name, because his name is synonymous with his will. And his will is synonymous with his character. And so when we pray within the will and we pray within the character and we pray within the name of Jesus, that's why he says, if you ask anything in my name according to those things, I'm going to do it. That's powerful. All right. Number five. Are you with me? Keeping up. I don't want to be rushing through this too quick, but. Psalm 84, verse 3. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallows a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God, my King, and my God. I had to smile at that because usually you don't want sparrows and swallows or pigeons or kookaburras hanging in your house, let alone at the holy temple, at the altar in the holy Temple. That's not the place where you want birds hanging out, making messes. They're not wanted. You want them out in the trees where they belong. They should be outside. Birds, I don't know if you've ever seen what a bird does inside of a garage when it's left there too long. It makes a mess. We had a cat in this building that we couldn't catch for so long, and that cat made a stinky mess. You don't, you don't want nature inside the, the holy places. You don't want the, the animals that are going to be making the mess. But the, the writer of the Psalms, like, I can't even, he says, like, I can't even blame the sparrows and the swallows for wanting to be in here, even though they're messy, even though they're, they're probably going to make a mess. But the psalmist doesn't begrudge them at all. In, in fact, he welcomes them. And I was just thinking about that in terms of, if that's true, for like something like an animal, then how much more should I desire for others to be in here? I mean, it's, it's one thing to have the birds and the say, hey, it's cool that they, I can't blame them for being here. But, but I look at that and I think, but what about the, the next door neighbor who has a messy life? And, oh, man, I can't bring them to church. You know, their, their life's a bit too messy. Man, they do this and they do that and they do that and they do this. And they, man, they've got a long list of things they should clean up before they come into church. And I, I'm so glad that that's not the Jesus we serve. 
I'm, I'm so glad that, that we walk in here with all of our mess. I mean, what, what point is it telling people to try and fix a mess that Jesus actually did come to fix, but tell them to try and fix it before they come to Jesus? There's no power or even ability in someone to get out of their mess, to, to, to give up things or to move away from or to stop doing things. There's no ability to even do that oftentimes before they even meet Jesus. It's in our relationship with Jesus that he sets us free and that he delivers us and that he gives us strength and that he forgives us and he draws us out and gives us grace. It's only through Jesus first. So we want people to come in with a mess. I mean, if I'm here, you've got mess. And if you're here, we've got mess. <laughs> you know, we, we, we want this place to be, you know, a, a place where we can share our faith, where we can bring people in to share and, and, and share our faith. Out on the street, going up to, to people, the friends, neighbors, whatever it is, and sharing our faith. And yeah, they may not have their life all under control. They may not have everything all happening great in their life. But heck, if the if the if the birds can can be in the near the altar, then anybody can. Anybody's welcome. Everybody is welcome here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 and 20. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We have been reconciled to God. Amen. And in being reconciled, we were given the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, us coming into relationship with Jesus, now we're to go and share the gospel with others. Now we're to go and lead others to preach the good news, to share the gospel, to show and share the love of Jesus Christ with others. Once we have received that for ourselves, the Bible says that now we have received the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, my salvation that I've received, I don't just keep it in. I just, just don't hold on to it to myself and not tell anybody. Now, if it's the good news and if it's as good as that we say it is, then we need to be telling others about it. We need to be going out and telling people, hey, I need to tell you about, about God. I need to tell you about Jesus, what he's done and what he offers. We need to have that in, in our life because the salvation that I've received isn't just for me. The best news that I ever heard how bad would that be if I never told anybody, if I just kept it to myself? And I knew the news that I had was going to help and was going to bless and set free and give eternal life. How bad would I be if I never told anybody that news? That's not fair that I would hold on to that. And so the word here says that, hey, once we've been reconciled to God, now you have the ministry of reconciliation. There's some big words, but basically it just means what Jesus has done for you, you now go and tell others what Jesus can do for them as well. I'm moving through. Number six, serve God's dream. Verse 11, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tent of wickedness. Now, I have to wonder, did the writer of Psalm, this Psalm, did he know about Disneyland when he wrote that? I want to read that verse again. For, for one day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. Can you think of some anywhere else places? And, and all the, like many think, and obviously I mentioned Disneyland, there's, there's Hawaii, there's Australia, there's, uh, I mean, we could, we could come up with a thousand different places that would be awesome, that you would lose sleep tonight because you were so excited that you'll go on there. And then the writer says this, for, for just one day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I'm not sure that they knew about Disneyland, but I don't think that's the point of what it is. What matters to me is that I want to be a part of what God is doing through his church. I want to be a part. God, what are you doing? What are you doing through us? What are you calling us to do? Because I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be a bystander. I don't want to be just like someone sitting in the crowd at a sporting event, just yelling all kinds of, hey, ref, you got that wrong and all that kind of stuff. I want to be on the field. I want to be part of the play. I want to be making a difference. I want to, when I get up in the morning, I want to know that my life is making a difference in the earth. I want to, and, and whatever that is, whatever that looks like, but I don't want to be passive. I don't just want to sit off to the side and do nothing and just wait for my day of eternity to come. I want to get involved and I want to be active in my faith. I want to be involved. I want to serve God's dream. You know, it matters so, it matters so much. This, this, for me, this matters. I'm just going to be personal with you for a second. For me, this matters so much. It's for, you could ask Sam her motivation. I'm going to show you just my motivation right now. Us leaving Australia four and a half years ago to come here to plan a church. You know, I love America. We, we love America, but we love Australia. And we have both sets of our parents still there in Australia. And we have our brothers and sisters. And we have, we have our nieces and our nephews all back there in Australia. So we have a lot of ties back in Australia. But can I say that what was burning even deeper in my heart was that I want to do whatever I can do to make a difference in the earth so that others can hear the gospel, so that others can hear the good news, so that we could start another in church on the other side of the planet from Sydney, which is just where Pastor Dan and Reagan came from, that we could start a church here that does likewise, that we could grow to you know maybe a thousand people that gives a million dollars a year. I mean, all that's in God's hands. I don't get too hung up on the numbers, but that we could make a difference in the earth. I'm, I'm not in it for, for personal recognition. I'm not in it for comfort. I'm not in it for convenience. If I wanted those things, I'd be living back in Australia. I, I'm in it because the cause of Christ propels me, compels me. This, this is most important. Now, we have so many good friends here. Now it would be a devastating thing if we ever had to go back because we love so many people here now. But I'm just saying well, what moved us in the first place was that this passion and desire to serve God's dream. 
and that's to raise up a church in the last days, be a part of a church in the last days that is doing everything it can to reach the, to send the gospel to everyone we can and everywhere that we can. In Second Peter 3 verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Here it is, not wanting that any should perish. That's his desire. His desire, God's desire, is that none, that none should perish. And so that matters to us. Okay, last one, number seven, and then we're done. So generously. I'm going to use the key verse for our whole theme, verse 11, that says, They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. The word strength here is kayil. You don't need to know that. It means it means strength in ability, in efficiency, in wealth, and in courage. So when it says from strength to strength, there is an increase of strength and ability. There's an increase of strength in efficiency. There's an increase of strength in wealth and an increase of strength in courage. That, that's the process of stronger. That's, that's what is getting stronger. So how do we get stronger in ability, in efficiency, in, our, in wealth or in, in courage? Because it's not by accident and it's not passive. To use a, a New Testament principle that, we, that we're very familiar with, we go from strength to strength when we sow. When we sow, how does a musician go from strength to strength? Well, they sow their time and their ability in practice. It's very deliberate. In fact, I had a trumpet teacher going back a, a while ago now, many, many years ago. And he was like the third best. He, run the, he came third in the Poland or Europe trumpet championship thing. And so he was good. And I'm just a kid. And my dad... and um, linked me up with this guy to get some lessons. And, I, and he asked me in his, in his very Polish accent, what do you want to learn? And I said, I want to learn how to play jazz. And he says, jazz is nothing. That's what he sounded like. Do I need to translate? I needed translation back then. Jazz is nothing without skulls. Skulls? Exactly. It took me a while to work out what he meant too. Scales. He said, jazz is nothing without scales. And so you know what he made me do for the next months of me practicing and, and getting lessons was scales. All the up and down, up and down, up and down. Boring, 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 boring. But can I tell you that over time, I got better. I went from eh, strength to some strength. To, and, and the more that I practiced, the more that I was deliberate, the more that I sowed my time and I and said I sowed my practice time into that, I actually started to get okay. I started to get, for my age, pretty good back then. But it took sowing. It takes, it takes sowing in. How does how does a, a bodybuilder get stronger? Well, they sow their current strength to reap a greater strength. How does a student get stronger? Well, they sow their time in study. I know our students love study. The amount that you sow will equate to the strength that is gained. The amount that you sow, what you sow, will amount to 
the strength that is gained. Second Corinthians 9 verses, it says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, this is not supposed to be an agricultural lesson. That's not the reason why it's in the Bible. But it's a perfect illustration for, for how and where we invest our lives, for going from strength to strength. In 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 11, it says, He who supplies seed to the sower. He who supplies seed to the, the sower. You know, we, we want... We want the harvest sometimes, but we don't want to sow what God's put in our hand. But the, but the verse says, he who supplies seed to the person who's going to sow it. Can I say it that way? He who supplies seed to the, the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous. In every way. Another version says you will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion, which will which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. As we sow, God multiplies the seed for sowing, which is stronger. He increases the harvest of our righteousness, which is stronger. And through these we are enriched in every way so that we can be generous. In every way. We sow generously, God multiplies it. We sow generously, God multiplies from strength to strength to strength, from strength to strength, from strength to strength. It's the principle here of, of sowing. So that so that God will bless and He multiplies. And I think maybe one of the traps sometimes we think the, the multiplication and the, and the blessing is all for me. Hey, you'll be enriched in every way. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Prosper me, Lord. Enrich me in every way. Oh, so that you can be generous. Oh, there it is. That's the key. God does want to bless us. He does want to prosper us. But we make a mistake if we're thinking it's for us. We make a mistake if we think the prosperity and the blessings for us. It's not. It's so that we can be generous. It's so that we can make a difference. It's so that we can send out church planners into different nations of the world. It's so that we can have the ministry here with the refuge. It's so that it's so that we can uh, do the cataract surgeries and the and the digging wells. And it's so that we can build homes for widows in Burundi. See, if we have a a mentality that my blessing is just for me, then we're not going to be able to do any of those things. But as we sow generously. God multiplies, God multiplies, and He's faithful, and He'll increase so that we can then sow more, and then we can be generous more. So these are the seven strong steps that will take us from strength to strength in 2017. Submit your life, seek God passionately and personally, show Christ's character, say God's word, share your faith, serve God's dream so generously. This is going to be a strong year, church. This is going to be a year I believe is really going to strengthen us, me. I'm, I'm looking forward to being strengthened. I'm looking for some strength in my own life. And I thank God for bringing me this far, but I know there's still so much more that he wants to do through me. And I know there's still much, so much more that he wants to do through you as well. Amen. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for this year. Lord, we just want to commit this year to you, Lord, for your glory. 
Lord, let it, let it begin right now with the consecration, Lord, to say, have your way. Lord, this is your house, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as this word continues to be spoken throughout the course of the year, as we focus on those different areas, Lord, I pray, the Lord, that our lives, Lord, would get stronger. Lord, that you'd call, that it would be you that would cause the increase in our lives, that you would strengthen us, that we would say like that psalm, that we, they go from strength to strength. Lord, I believe that you desire a strong church in these days. Lord, I pray, I know, Lord, that this the church needs to be strong in these days, and we need a strong church. And Lord, we, we want to be a strong church. So Lord, we say, have your way. Lord, strengthen us. Lord, strengthen us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. Equip us to do all that you want us to do, all that you desire to do. We love you, Lord. Lord, we commit this to you. Lord, we commit this year to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope it blessed and encouraged you. Join us live on Sunday or at our midweek Connect Small Group meetings in North Phoenix, Arizona.